Good Monday morning, this is Matt Hodell with the Bastards of Art podcast, coming to you live, kind of, from St. Louis, Missouri. This is the Bastards of Art podcast, and, you know, I'm just going to restate the mission statement here really quick, just so everyone gets it. This isn't about me, this isn't about, like, uh, a, a formula for success, this is more of like a podcast to encourage those who want to go out and do something uh, creative who who are either already in some type of an industry at the beginnings of it or may, I don't know, maybe you're already in the industry and you feel stagnant and you just kind of forgot what you why you started doing art in the first place but if you do art if you are creative in any way if you take something and rearrange it uh, in a way that makes sense to you and and put back in the world in a positive effort this is the podcast for you. I'm trying to talk about, you know, low brow, low approach. I'm not talking about high end, crazy, um, fine art world. I'm just talking about you, your soul, your your way of doing stuff, and um, and I'm trying to help with perspective of of not only positive encouragement, but kind of like a think of it this way approach, which kind of brings me to um, a quote that I had not re- read in uh, in a little in a little while. Um, it's from a book called uh, Principles of Form and Design. Now, the funny thing is, is this book was more or less written when Photoshop 1 came out, uh, the old boxy Mac. And, uh, you know, if anyone remembers that, it was like 10-minute render times just to rotate a square uh, 90 degrees. Um, but this book is called Principles of Form and Design, and it was by a guy named Wong, um, W-O-N-G. And I, I got this book when I was in college. Um, to, I wanted it to help me with Photoshop and understanding, and it actually gave me more of an understanding of design than it did of, um, of Photoshop. Um, but but it, it references Photoshop a lot, which I think is cool um, to see how far Photoshop has come. But just just in the first chapter, uh, he talks about something very interesting, and I'm gonna if, just bear with me. I'm gonna read two paragraphs, and they both have to do with creativity. Uh, one has more of uh, an intuitive creativity and the other one has more of a critical creativity. Um, so let me start. It says uh, the general introduction, marks or shapes can happen spontaneously as we explore with tools, media, substances for pictorial, textural, or sculptural effects and in the process decide on what is beautiful or exciting without consciously knowing how and why. We may pour in feelings and emotions during the process, resulting in a kind of artistic expression that reflects our personality in the form of our tastes and inclinations. This is the intuitive approach to visual creative creation. So, you know, this first one, it talks about like discovery. Like it's, it's almost in the rawest form. Give a little kid a paint bucket, um, give him some finger paints, and uh, give him a wall, and just... As he starts to create, he might see a dinosaur or he might see a landscape of mountains. He just might see something and, and, and take that and explore that something he created. Now, there's nothing wrong with this approach. This is the, the like basic, uh, intuitive, uh, as, to steal his words, the intuitive artist approach where you're just going to take some, some tools, maybe some awkward tools, like maybe try to paint with like a, um, a broom or, or paint with... Um, a spatula or just just something you have laying around the house and just see what kind of shapes it makes and, and explore that that's more of like the the uh the i don't want to call it artsy fartsy but it's more of like the you know i was just it just came out of me i don't know what happened it was just it was just awesome and i you know whatever and that's great that's cool 
the problem arises when you're trying, when, when you have like a goal, when you have maybe um, even a client involved and they want something in particular, what they don't want, if they're trying, if they've, they've got a job done and they've hired you to help them uh, create a visual language with your artistic ability, okay? They hired you to come up with an image or an idea that has an intent and an expression and it's done in the form of visual imagery, not in the form of uh, the, the English language or the written word. All right, and that this is where we get to the second paragraph. And what Mr. Wong says is, alternatively, we can create having prior recognition of a particular problem that must be dealt with. When we define the goals and the limits, analyze the situations, consider all the available options, consider the elements for synthesis, or try to come up with the most appropriate solutions, this is the intellectual approach. It requires systematic thinking with a high degree of objectivity. Although personal response to and judgment of beauty, harmony, and excitement must be present in all visual decisions. So what this means to me is basically this. If I have a, a client and he says, um, I need a story to be told. Um, let me think of a good one really quick. Um, okay, well, I had one just, just the other day. Uh, I had a guy, he basically said, look, I'm into brewing my own beer. Um, I'm also into hiking and running. Um, and I'm also, uh, have this, this particular flower that I would like to, to put in the design itself. And, um, you know, I, when he presents me with a set of problems and in, in this paragraph, that would be, uh, we can create having prior recognition of particular problems that must be dealt with. So in this situation, the first thing I'm going to think of is, well, how do any of this go together? How does running an image of running, an image of beer, an image of this flower all kind of tie together, right? Um, so we have to define the goals. Well, he gave me a size that he wanted to, to put it on. And uh, in this particular um, design, it's a tattoo. So the location of the body also has a, has a big part to play with my composition too. Um, I sat down with him, kind of went over what his comfort levels were, how big I could make it, what I could add to it, what order of importance all these images were. Like, what was kicking out the most? Was was running more important than the beer making? Was, um, you know, was a flower more important? So then I got to give an order of importance to all of this. Um, then uh, how can we make this visually pleasing? Visually pleasing. Tell the story and really kind of help this gentleman make a visual image that shows people a small window of who he is and the intent of what he's trying to trying to do with um, with this particular design or tattoo or whatever. You know, my problem solving basically went to we need a hero, we need a we need a main source, we need uh, we need the one thing that stands out. I can't stick all three of these images together and expect all of them to battle it out, you know, have a beer that's the same size as a shoe that's the same size as a flower. And no one really knows what they're looking at at that point. So my recommendation was do a big classic old Stein of beer with the frothy mug and the steel cap top. And it's, it's kind of made out of that broken up ceramic. That's kind of the glazing is cracked over time. And uh, it's got that big strong handle 
and the base is really strong. And you you know what I'm talking about that big strong mug of Bierstein. Um, then what I said was let's paint a logo of the um, Achilles uh, shoe. Is it Achilles? I think it is. Uh, that 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 shoe with the wing on it. Um, I have to look up who, who whatever Greek god that was. Uh, anyway, we paint that as like a like an old style logo on the side of that beer stein, and we give it the textures as if it was painted on that beer stein. So the cracks in the ceramic glaze are also in the logo of the shoe that's on the side of that beer stein, and then we have some beer bubbling over the side and. And we really kind of, uh, you know, create kind of a texture with the contrast of that hard um, ceramic mug with the steel and on uh, cap on top. And then that soft, frothy beer that kind of comes over from the overpour, right? And then from there, we need to put this in a situation uh, that speaks and uh, has, has kind of like, a, like sets the environment up for us. So my recommendation was kind of like a three-quarter vignette with an opening to the more left-hand side and the beer's facing more to the left-hand side. And uh, once we create that vignette, we've kind of defined an area. And in that vignette, we can put the hops and the barley and then the flour that he liked. And now we're starting to really kind of like set all this up, almost if it was like an old IPA beer logo or beer ad or something you'd see from the maybe the 40s or 30s um, and then we create these dead spaces in between the beer can the beer stein and the um, three-quarter vignette that de dead space from there we can create a, uh, the feeling of distance it's really simple all we have to do is like you know it's almost like it's in the background of that beer stein you can see some some uh mountains and maybe like a little stream it's kind of like a, a like a comeback like you don't see it right away when you initially look at the design our brain is made to see shapes first so the first shape it sees is that beer stein and it sees that decorative uh, three-quarter vignette with the hops and the flowers that he wanted um, and now we've set kind of a mood for for our beer stein and then upon further investigation we can see the um the mountains and the, and the, and the trails and the, you know, maybe a little riverway. And that would help, um, kind of tie in the shoe part of everything, you know, in the same situation, if he was a wine drinker, that vignette we could have done with, um, grapes and we could have done like a, uh, landscape of, um, like Italy or something, you know, and then we would have done like a wine glass instead, of course. But each one spells a story or tells a story. And so um, I think that, you know, if you're going out and you're setting out to do something, whether it's like a mosaic of a table with some broken glass, um, whether it's, you know, designing an ad or designing a, um, a band logo for for someone or, or even a flyer for a band or... Or, you know, I'm trying to think of what else other people might be into, you know. Um, but when you set out to design something, waiting for happy accidents, I mean, you could just keep, it's like, a, it's like a roulette wheel, really. Like, how many times can you sit down and have a happy accident that actually, you know, brings a story to the front that, that sells 
um, and, and, and a message, you know, uh, I think it's good to, to do the, you know, what this guy calls the intuitive approach where you're just taking big brushes or little brushes and you're just trying to find shapes just by accident, like an intuitive like approach. But I think having the, um, what he calls the intellectual approach where you're actually making conscious effort to almost defend your choices. I think that, that speaks a lot to me. And that's kind of how my career has gone. And the one thing he says at the end of this is it says, it requires a systematic thinking with a high degree of objectivity, although personal response to judgment of beauty, harmony, and excitement uh, must be present in all visual decisions. And so even after you kind of like organize all your parts, organize all your players, get your hero, get your secondary, set it on a stage, figure out the atmosphere, figure out kind of feeling you want to invoke, right? You still have to take one good look at that and say, did I create beauty and harmony? And is this piece exciting? Um, harmony to me is arranging the pieces so that you have the right amount of everything. And the only way I can describe this is like in a parable. If you are making soup, you don't want to overload it with garlic. You don't want to overload it with salt. You know, you hear the, just a pinch of salt or just a pinch of background or just a, you know, whatever, you know, you don't want to take a chicken broth and then maybe, I don't know, how would you ruin chicken broth to dump three things of tomato sauce in it? I don't see how that would taste good, you know? So you have to decide what you're making. Are you making tomato soup? Or you make in chicken noodle soup. Figure out the base. Figure out what what platform you're going to start with, and then make decisions that accent that platform in a way that brings harmony and, and interest. So um, I don't know. Uh, is, harmony is kind of to me is just kind of the balance of all the pieces and making sure that they all um, support each other in a way that feels less tense. The 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 absent the 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 absent the uh, absence the the lack of uh, awkward moments the you know when you're done drawing everything out and you kind of look at the, the initial sketches see if there's awkward moments to it see if there's like some tension see if there's some something that just doesn't feel right and kind of concentrate on that on that and make some intellectual decisions on why that tension exists and how to minimize that. Um, and then when it comes to you know excitement, uh, excitement to me is some type of an explosion. So, I, mean, I always think of like a pitcher getting ready to release a ball to a batter, or even the batter bearing down with all of his weight on that back heel, and his his arms are just tense, and he's getting ready to pop the ball. And that 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 moment that the bat meets the ball, that's excitement. That's power. That's if you're gonna make something, you know, if you want to paint a dragon or if you want to paint a bird. You know, make some type type of exciting atmosphere. Make something that pops or grabs someone's attention, where they're wondering what the next thing is going to be, or they're wondering what just happened. You know, um, maybe it's a reaction from something, some explosion, or the or the beginning of an explosion. When I say explosion, I mean in an event of that releases energy. So that's kind of like to sum it up. You know, there's there's two two ways of being creative. There's the intuitive approach that kind of like you just kind of go and you be arty, you know, and you relax and you just turn your brain off and you just paint or doodle or wiggle or, you know, just have fun. But then there's the intellectual approach where you have an intent. You define your intent. You go and seek an image that 
clearly states visually what that intent is. So anyway, this is Matt Hodell with the Bastards of Art podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, FM Player, and of course the webpage www.bastardsart.com. Also, you can reach my blog at matthodelltattoo.com and kind of see what happens to my brain when I overthink tattooing. All right, everyone have a good week.